Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Chaba. I'm Zara. And I'm Cheesy. So um, uh, we've been discussing uh, uh, lately, and uh, we talked a lot about continuous delivery, and we talked a lot from the from the developer's perspective, from the from the from technology perspective. But uh, in today's episode, we would like to uh, discuss a little bit from a different perspective, continuous delivery, and. Uh, <clears throat> This would be if you are a traditional organization and you realize that you want to move towards continuous delivery, but you are still doing maybe deployment once every three months, let's say, or even even less, uh, but you would like to get there. How do you attract talent? How do you attract the people who would like to do this, who would like to work in this kind of environment, but you are not there yet? So that's the question of the day. Uh, who would like to start? Any ideas? Any anything I guess I can get us started um, I think if you're in that position and there and you want to really hire a lot of people who maybe have that experience already it's going to be really really difficult what you could potentially do is you could potentially try to find one or two very senior people in that space but be willing to pay them very well and be willing to put them in a position in which they have a lot of latitude or, or a lot of uh, 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 ability to try to influence the type of change that you want. I would say, though, that, that you might want to think about a, a different path as well. Instead of hiring those people who have already been there and done that, because that's going to be a very difficult trek, what you might do is instead look for people who are kind of in the same position you are and that, you know, look for people who want to do that, people who understand it, people who are passionate about it, but they're in a company that still is deploying every three to six months. And there are a lot of companies who are deploying every three to six months and they have these little pockets of people who want to do better, but they can't. Those are the people that you're going to be likely to be able to recruit because, they're already kind of in the same position you are, but, but the, what you can do is you could create this vision around, we want to go in this direction. We want to do this. And if you really are serious about wanting to do that and you can really build that case for those folks, you might be able to hire them up. It's like a paradox, right? Because if you are targeting senior people who have worked in continuous delivery environments, the chances are that those people are already pretty happy because they are in continuous delivery environments because one of the predictors of continuous delivery is happiness in the workplace. So as Cheesy said, you're going to you're gonna find it tough to find those people, not just because they're hard to find, but because the ones that are doing that are probably happy where they are for, for the reasons of continuous delivery. And I, you know, more and more over the last three, four years, I've, I, I think I've seen the impact of hiring inexperienced developers and coaching them through on continuous delivery concepts. Uh, I think there's a, there's a very healthy pipeline of students that are graduating, not just from university and colleges, but also these almost like software development trade schools who maybe didn't go to, didn't took, take computer science as a major in university, but were interested in technology because consumer electronics kind of blew up. And then they developed an interest in Instagram, TikTok, whatever social media app or some other app that they use, and they got into computers. I think 
I think those candidates are the ones that that organizations can potentially target with an aim to sort of developing them, developing their continuous delivery mindset, because it's almost like good that they haven't gone to formal school. I remember going to school and in fourth year, in fourth year university, they taught me, uh, you know, the software development life cycle. And they literally taught you waterfall. They go, this is how software is done in the industry. It was a CSC 407 at U of T. And it was like a lit- literal fod- waterfall they were they were showing. So I think you have an op- a chance to get people who 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 have who know nothing about traditional ways of development and 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 are open to experimentation more than more than other people. Shaba, what, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's interesting that you're <clears throat> touching on what you are looking for. So so uh, qualities, right? You are touched a little bit on this on this. So so if you are if you are hiring, so we we establish from a technical perspective, right? You guys you guys mentioned that. Technical perspective is is one of those one of those tricky situations, but how about from the from the development perspective? Because continuous delivery, we talked, we are in a seven x episode right now, seventy x episode right now, and uh, we we see that that continuous delivery is almost the pinnacle of, of of modern software development. Right? There are other qualities that you would you would want to look for in 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 these in these folks. So, what would be those super key qualities? So, again, we established we want someone who would like to try this would want to go this way but there are a bunch of other things that we want to want to find who who would be the, those those folks i think one of the the things that i would look for in addition to technical chops would would be uh their desire to collaborate you know people who want to go off in isolation and code in isolation typically uh that that sort of is an anti-pattern for continuous delivery only because there's so much that happens so fast, so quickly that 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 you have to work very closely. And I've, I've had lots of teams, uh, some of my more successful teams, where they choose to do a lot of mobbing or if not mobbing, at least they're pairing all the time, you know. And so uh, so I would look for somebody who likes to work in a team, likes to collaborate. And then, um, you know, uh, I find, you know, in, in any team, everybody has something to offer or something for others to learn. And so uh, somebody who maybe has more of a, of a mindset of a mentor who's, you know, also uh, can take the time or pause every once in a while and, and help lift the team up, you know, like I would hope everybody else on the team would be able to do. So, so th- those would be a few things that I, I would be uh, looking for. Uh, on the technical side, uh, I would definitely want somebody who thinks about quality. You know, we, we have way too many cowboy coders who just sling code and who, after they've been doing that for five days, they start to think about, oh, maybe I should go back and think about quality. But I, I would want somebody who doesn't think of writing code and testing code as two separate activities, but they, that quality is front and center and they, they think beyond just writing one unit test for one method. You know, they think about testing everything, you know, along the way and, and, and so on. So those would be a, a couple of characteristics that I would think of. Yeah. Is there anything? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say I'd, I'll pick a couple. Like one that I think that people should just generally hire for is, is, is hire people who are biased for action. And, and what I mean by that is who, who recognize that we – a lot of decisions are reversible. And sometimes we treat decisions as a one-time thing. If, if we make it, that's it, it's done, it's over. When that's not really the case. Uh, I, I think you can 
uh, if you're able to get people who, uh, who who are basically calculated risk takers, are open to experimentation, uh, are, are, are tend to avoid analysis paralysis, and are willing to just try something knowing it might fail, um, and prefer that method rather than knowing complete information be- before they begin, are comfortable with ambiguity. Those are some some qualities of, uh, of of people that I would love to have on uh, on my teams if uh, if we're doing continuous delivery. And I think sometimes we forget that continuous delivery is ultimately about the customer. Sometimes we get sort of mired in the technical aspects of this. But the reason we are doing this is because we want to learn about the customer and 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 really expand our knowledge of who the customer is, what the context of their use of our software is. And borrowing a term from Amazon, like customer obsessed, like you really need to be thinking about the customer and what value you are delivering to them. Somebody who can think from the customer and then map what you're doing technically to solve the customer problem rather than the other way around where you talk, where you just want to do technical stuff and not necessarily think about the customer. People who kind of want to reduce the distance between the development team and the customer and are and like learning about the customer i think I, I think those are healthy candidates for for, for continuous so in summary bias for action and you know uh, to, to steal one from amazon be customer obsessed so um something something was was uh, uh i was thinking about where you guys were talking because i've been in many interviews right as in, in my developer days and i remember i was asking questions from my from my future employers or my or my client future clients and uh, and what i found is that i got a a huge range of the truth in these in these interviews sometimes they were selling me like this is the greatest this is the greatest place and the greatest environment sometimes they were extremely extremely honest to the to the ex- extreme level of bleakness uh some of the some of these folks so so what do you guys what do you guys recommend in this case because these candidates are going to ask questions how would you how would you guys sell this place because we want to be honest obviously but then 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 what would be what would be a, a strategy to, to 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 bring bring these folks in because they, you know that you don't want to to be to disappointing these people once they once they join that that's a great question java so um I think more important than what you say to them is how honest you are with yourself if you're going to do this or not. Okay. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you go out and you sell somebody on the idea that you're going to go to continuous delivery, you're going to do all these great things. And then a year later, you are exactly in the same place. Those people will leave, you know, because you have essentially fed them that story, right? And so I, I think the most important thing before you go out and start to try to find these people is make certain that, that that's what you're going to do. Have the right sort of buy-in from your company, from leadership, from management. And buy-in isn't them saying, okay, yeah, sure, go ahead and do it. But it's them understanding that that you're going to restructure the way that the company works and have buy-in from management and leadership to do that have buy-in from, you know, development groups. And if everybody is confident that you want to do it, then when you bring those people in, have them listen to the executive, you know, have them listen to the others in the organization. And then you really do have a compelling story to to sell. You know, our company has, re- has, has aligned around this vision. Leadership is on board with it. 
and and so on. And so, you know, so I, I think being honest is, is the most important thing, but uh, before you go out and start to sell it, then make sure that, that you're really heading down that path. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that is, that is a insightful question. Um, you know, I always try to use uh, interviews sometimes as free labor as a, uh, <laughs> you know, so whenever, whenever uh, there's an interviewee um, and, uh, and I'm the interviewer, I, I have always either kind of put them in a real world situation where they actually have to solve something, which is a problem that I am having, for example. So something that is a problem for me, I will bring that problem to them. So, and get their view on it because I've thought about it. Let's see what, what you think about it. And I think that also gives the other candidate, the, the candidate a flavor of the types of challenges they are likely to encounter if they, if they join the team. Uh, so to answer your question, I would say, uh, to, and I'll build on cheesy that be honest with yourself and with, with the candidate and bring a problem that you are currently having, which remains unsolved and present it to them. If they get excited about the problem and want to pursue it further, you can probably detect that quite easily. And that's a that's a sign that maybe, you know, that's a that's a tick in their box. But if they're like ambivalent about it or 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 you know aren't really interested in solving a problem like that, well then you can then ask them, like, this is the type of stuff that we are trying to do here. What do you think? That's actually a very good advice, there are. So uh, let's assume that we got this this candidate. And now we have the last moment when we are going to decide what's going what's gonna to happen to this person. And then the, here are, again, a very wide range of, of potential strategies. Take this, this new candidate and mix and add them to the, to the team that has been around for a long time in this traditional organization, and he's going to be the lone wolf there, or maybe create new teams uh, where we have this this all these new candidates who can now change, change this organization. So again, these are, these are two extremes any views on these guys, what, what would you do? There's two interesting things that you said. First of all, the lone wolf idea. Um, that would kind of be a failing of leadership if you put somebody on the team and they're the lone wolf. In other words, leadership hasn't bought off on this and been out and evangelized and talked to people and others aren't thinking about it and, and wanting to try to go there, right? So, so... Yeah, that, that would be a bad situation to to put that person in. So it never happened, right, Cheesy? Uh, no, it never happened, happened unfortunately. <laughs> you know, something that I've seen work successful. Whenever whenever you have an organization of any size, uh, people try to say, let's take this whole organization agile. Let's do that. And I've almost never seen that actually work. You know, only because, you know, in an organization of any size, you have so many different uh, cultures within that, you know, different ways of working, different things happening, different leadership of different objectives and different uh, goals and, and different levels of understanding and such. Something I have seen successful is where you, you focus in on a really critical product within the organization, something that that's super important and you build up some smart people around that and then you give them a latitude to bring about change you know in other words allow them to experiment allow them to try things push the envelope you know and and kind of take away some of the the organizational constraints that, that might be around them 
and let them kind of pave the way, you know, and, and protect them along the way. And, and if you see that, that succeeding that, you know, then you can start to think about instead of after you get that, that group going well, so they say, now nah, let's take the whole organization and do that. Yeah. Again, you're, you're, you're back to the same problem, but maybe find a second product now and start to put good people around that second product and focus on that. And now you've got two products that are delivering and so on. So I, I think uh, in that context, Chava, what I would do is I would try to do that uh, specific, important, critical product, build the right people around that. And I would bring those new folks into that organization. Yeah, I mean, Lone Wolf is, is you know, I have never seen it work. Uh, even when the, you know, there's the Lone Wolf and then there's also the, the brilliant a-hole, right? Uh, and the brilliant a-hole probably gets a lot more leeway in organizations. And, uh, you know, a while back in my career, like even I was sort of seduced by the, the very productive by the dark side, you know, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe this is, maybe this can save the project. And, and you quickly realize that that is such, just not a sustainable strategy because the, the, the disease that spreads across the whole org, uh, even if that one project is successful, even the, the short-term cost of it isn't even worth it. Right. So I, I will, that's one mistake I will never make again is to give uh, any leeway to the, uh, you know what the guy mentioned. So, but I, I would I would add that these large organizations really love heroes, and this is probably much what, what you're talking about, Zara, right? I like to. Well, call this was at a small the, the company. Hero. Yeah, yeah, honestly, this was at, at, at this was a at small like company. A, yeah, at a thirty-five person company, this was the case, right? So, I, so, I, I so think I it's actually it. more um, prevalent there. Yeah, for, for sure. So, so dear listeners and and viewers, so what we heard today is like build teams, build awesome teams. And and try to find team players. I guess this this is this is the the, the biggest takeaway. And this uh, concludes today's continuous delivery podcast. Thank you very much.